It's just back the way it should be. You want one of those good rock and roll songs? Triple M. We got a couple of those. <laughs> Sydney's best rock. Touch judges already. Side of studio. Referee. Players are lined up. Microphones in hand for the restart. It's now time to form the rock. The Sunday Rugby Show. Featuring Wallaby legends Tim Horan and Matt Burke. Sensational The Rock. Coming up the blind side, Tony Rubber Kicks Squires. Yes, welcome to the Rock Your Sunday Rugby Show. My name's Alana Smith, again standing in for Tony Squires, who continues his uh, nice holiday overseas. <laughs> I'm, of course, joined by Tim Horan and Matthew Burke. And uh, welcome, guys, on Father's Day. Very happy Father's Day to you both. Thank you, Alana. Um, Timmy, how did you go, mate? Happy Father's Day to you. How did you go this morning with the uh, present side? No, nothing this morning. And uh, Alana, yes, uh, w- welcome back, Alana. You must have did a good job last week. So you're back for the second week in a row. So uh, congratulations to you. But, uh, yeah, Father's Day, no, nothing. Just with teenage daughters that I have, I don't think they'll be getting out of bed till about 1 p.m. So um, there'll be nothing coming till late afternoon for me, unfortunately. Late afternoon. I left all my crew in bed this morning as well. They're all tucked in fast asleep. But, hey, uh, you, you passed some pretty interesting people, Timmy, on the way to work this morning. Yeah, I was just saying to you before that... Uh, the bridge to Brisbane is on this morning in Brisbane, so uh, they leave from the Leo Hillshire Bridge, which is, we all know is the Gateway Bridge, and they uh, it's a pretty uh, up, uphill start um, when you go from the bridge to it. There's <laughs> yeah, no downhill. you out straight away. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, I drive past. They sort of go across the bridge through Hamilton, uh, and then they go through sort of Bowen Hills and along the, along the river and end up sort of in the, uh, the city near the, um, the exhibition grounds. And there was a few Batman, there was a few, <laughs> few Wonder Woman sort of running along, but uh, there's a 10K run and a 5K run. So I think they've raised over $700,000 for um, kids' charities, wow. so um, kids' helpline. So it's been a fantastic fundraising event. So there'll be some sore bodies this morning walking around Brisbane. Yeah, there sure will be. That'd be like starting the, the city to surf on uh, Heartbreak Hill. I think that would <laughs> yes, that's, kill half right. the back. Uh, <laughs> now, we have got uh, plenty to look forward to uh, on the ruck this morning. Uh, we'll continue our countdown of the top 10 Wallaby moments. Uh, we'll also chat with Topo Rodriguez. He's got a new book out, The Art of Scrummaging. Uh, we'll get the inside word on that, Berkey, see if you can make scrummaging interesting. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be interesting, absolutely interesting. It's He'll have a chat and he might be able to explain it in simple terms because, well, the simple things that we used to say was just boys push. That was, that was That's the extent of it, Timmy, I think, isn't it for us? Oh, that's it. We have to tell, we'll have to tell Top, I've only got three minutes for the interview. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you are with The Ruck, your Sunday rugby show. We'll be back shortly. This is The Ruck. This is The Ruck. My name's Alana Smith, joined, of course, by Tim Horan and Matthew Burke. And, of course, the Wallabies, will they head to Perth uh, this morning today to uh, try and regroup after what happened to them at Eden Park last weekend. They, of course, take on the Springboks on Saturday night in Perth. And, uh, Matthew Burke, today you've urged the Wallabies to regroup and try and really consolidate their ranking as number two in the world. Yeah, I think so, Alana. I think that... What we've seen the last couple of weeks in the two Bledsloe Cups is that we haven't been able to score. We found it, found it finding it difficult to get across the line. Uh, the the notion then that the All Blacks are so far in front, I think, is is a perception that everyone's getting, and even the players are sort of saying it as well. So, if you can hold on to number two, be the best number two you can be. And I know that sounds a bit sort of strange. Where, where are you going, mate? <laughs> we're Australians. We don't want number two. I, maybe, we, maybe I'm just uh, promoting mediocrity here just to say uh, number two. But what, what I'm saying is hold that number two mantle. We're playing South Africa. We're playing the, in the world's toughest competition. I mean, you're playing one, two, and three as in week in, week out. Australia, New Zealand, South Africa. And, well, not in that order, but then Argentina throwing the mix and they had the draw against South Africa last week. So what I'm saying is hold that number two mantle for the next 
seven weeks before they play Bledisloe in, in, in Brisbane and making sure make sure you win against South Africa well and Argentina mm-hmm. well and hold that mantle, knowing that if you get to that number one stage again, yes, aim for it, but at the moment, be good with number two and, and make sure you play number two well if that's if that's the case. Timmy, I, I, I mean, I know it's tough to say that we can't catch that number one spot, but I know you're always aiming for it, but... Can we just say, hey, we're happy with number two in the world or are we not happy with number two in the world? No way in the world, Berkey. You can't be happy with number two in the world. So. Everyone else would be, though, yes? No. No, I mean, I think if you're from Wales or England or Ireland, you'd say, yeah, well, we're happy with number two or three. But as Australians, we always want to be number one. That's just the psyche and the vibe that we've got um, in sport and in business, business in Australia. We're from the land down under. We're always trying to be, you know, always sort of underdogs in certain areas and that's just the psyche that we have. But, but if we... Uh, you're, you're, have we then have we then gone past the Olympics in the last couple of weeks? And is our are we is our talent outweighing our perception, so to speak? If you know what I mean? Like, are we are we are we wanting to be number one, but we haven't actually got the talent to be there? That's that's the thing. Yeah, well, that, that that can work. I mean, you look at, um, you know, people now say, you know, that the um, when you're 50, it's the new 40, you know, the, the, the new silver, well, the new gold is the silver. And, um, but I think for, in a rugby sense, yeah, we, we do have to start to really look at um, where we're at and, and put a stake in the ground and say, where are we at? How do we develop um, new, more players coming through? I mean, Australian schoolboys teams are fantastic players. Where do they go? Um, I, I believe we probably should have an under-20s competition to bring those players through um, and a bit like there's no Curry Cup like in South, Af- South Africa. There's no second tier like an ITM Cup that they have in New Zealand uh, in Australia. So, But I don't think... I think Australians all want to be number one and everyone's got to strive to be number one. Yes, it's a good all-black team. Are they the best ever? No, certainly not, but they are a decent team. And you're right, Berkey, you need some momentum going into that Brisbane Test match at the end of October. Yeah, it was actually uh, very interesting. I was talking to a Dutch guy that lives in Australia about this very uh, topic yesterday, and he he finds it amazing. He said, you know, it's the expectation here in Australia. We are overachievers, uh, mm. but the expectation is that we would always win. It's not like that in other places yeah, around think, the world. Know, you know, I think we've probably been sport too, Alana and Berkey, over the years of, you know, the, the great... Um, Olympic Games medals, you know, your John Siebens, your, um, you know, the, the Grant Hackett's and um, Kieran Perkins, those great events, and also sport all around them, I mean, the, the Kangaroos, um, the Rugby League team, the Wallabies, for many years, we've probably been sport over a 20-year period of some really great sporting moments, and maybe the last couple of years we haven't had those. Does it come in cycles, though, Timmy? I mean, that's that's what you're saying then, basically. So at the moment, we're, we're climbing the ladder to try and beat the best in the world, which is the All Blacks. Yeah, and I think the, um, you know, when I spent three years over in the UK and England, the, the amount of money that they put behind their sports, incredible, out of their uh, lottery system, and the government puts so much money behind every different sport, and that the funding that is required here in Australia is similar, and we probably don't have as much funding as we probably would like for, not only for funding of the sport itself, but research of how to actually get better athletes. That's because you took all the funding in your day, Timmy. <laughs> <laughs> What's that song, Gold on the Ceiling? Oh, Did no they chance. get it from you? No chance. <laughs> Realistically, though, you're saying the All Blacks are the best by far and away. Uh, Maddie, uh, tell us, um, can, can you see them realistically getting beaten in this rugby championship? The All Blacks are going to be tough to be beaten, but but they can be. I mean, that, that that's the great thing about it. People have off days, and if you play to the your, the best of the ability, I don't think the Aussies have played to their best of ability best of their ability yet. They've they've been um, they've been inconsistent in the in up front. They haven't been able to get across the advantage line in the backs, and 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 it only takes sort of one moment in time, and you realise that you know I can do this, and and they've got the players to do so. We've seen how well they've gone through Super Rugby or some of the teams, anyhow. 
And when you get those groups, when they get those individuals together as the, as the collective group, you know, something special happens. But, I Berkey, think... you, you, you really need those top six players in Absolutely. the Wallaby team when you play the All Blacks. So, your Genny, your Cooper, your Beal, your James O'Connor, James Hall and David Pocock. So, if you need your big six, if you don't have them on the park, well, you're going to struggle against the All Blacks. And I, I, I think a lot of the All Blacks are very beatable and I think they can potentially lose one, maybe two more games in this rugby championship. One potentially will be away to the Springboks mm. and then um, the last game here in October against the Wallabies at home. All right, well, coming up on the rug, we're going to continue discussion. This time we're going to uh, reveal the uh, the dream team that the Waratahs are actually trying to put together at the moment. Some uh, very interesting names indeed being thrown up. This is the Ruck, your Sunday rugby show. Timmy, this is your song. <laughs> this is The Ruck. Welcome back to The Ruck, your Sunday rugby show. My name's Alana Smith. I'm filling in for Tony Squires and here with Tim Horan and Matthew Burke. And guys, uh, an interesting article in today's uh, paper by Greg Groudon. Uh, he's talking about the Waratahs and their uh, organisation trying to get everything back on track and they're daring to dream with... Uh, a top three list that they're targeting. I'm not sure if this is realistic or not. Uh, the names have included are Sonny Bill Williams, Ewan McKenzie and Phil Blake. Uh, Berkey, firstly to you, you've obviously been involved at, at different periods with the organisation over a, a long period of time. Is this realistic? Is it realistic? No, I don't think so. I, I, I just don't know where they're going at the moment. There, there's, it goes on to say that they've delayed the naming of the coach or even getting down to it because they're trying to chase these three guys. And The, the question then begs is, Sonny B. Williams is off to Japan now. I think he actually talks about, um, has a quote about Quade Cooper about in Japan at the moment. But then also, Mackenzie's linked heavily with Queensland, and we know you know what he's done there. Uh, he left on uh, you know, not great terms from New South Wales sort of point of view. Phil Blake, I think this is just pipe dreams. They, they, right. can't, they can't be picking up these three blokes. I don't think they'll want to come to New South Wales. More for the fact that the performances that the Waratahs have put on would these three players been able to change the whole scope of things? I, I don't think so. Timmy, what do you think? Well, I think it's uh, unrealistic, really. It's, it's probably like um, getting Bob Catter to, to uh, go and run the Liberal Party. It just won't happen. Um, <laughs> I think that, um, I mean, Ewan McKenzie, whilst he hasn't signed his contract here in, in Brisbane, he's agreed to it, his handshake agreement, and he's a, he's a man out of his word, and it won't happen. Um, he's, unless, the only way Ewan McKenzie will leave Queensland if he gets an opportunity to coach the Wallabies, which may be sooner than what everyone thinks, but... Um, you know, I think the, the issue is with uh, Waratah Rugby is they really need to find the right coach who can attract the players. Because the best coach these days is the coach that w- can go and attract the best players and that is the best recruiter and then can put in place a really good assistant team that can actually run the team from you. As a head coach, you become a manager. Is, is uh, that what it is? It's just a figurehead? Uh, oh, a figurehead, and, and you've got to be hands-on, certainly. If you, you own a pub, you've got to pour, pour the beers in the public bar, but um, you've actually got to make sure you're, you're hands-on, but you need to find the right players. And um, I always think that, um, I mean, Wayne Smith, I said a few weeks ago, Wayne Smith from New Zealand, who um, was great with the Chiefs this year, assistant coach for the Chiefs, that, that's who they should be trying to get. Someone of that um, structure to be able to come across with some... I mean, Michael Checker looks like that's stalled a little bit. Um, he's been offshore for a long time, so... Um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see what happens with the Waratahs, but they probably need to make a decision pretty soon so that players know where they're going as well. They're pretty much just locked down, haven't they, this squad? They're, there's there's not much room for, for scope in the Waratahs at the moment. Anyhow, they signed, they re-signed Tom Carter. Uh, they've got uh, Cyril Pretorius, who they're sort of just hanging out there in the limb at the moment as their, their marquee player, their, out their overseas player. So they don't know whether they're going to use him or not. So, I mean... Then, then it begs the question, Timmy, have you said before, do you open it up to more foreign players to come across in Super Rugby to play 
outside of um, of where they're they're playing at the moment. I think you should, and I think the Australian Rugby Union have been always very nervous about opening the doors to more than one uh, foreign player per team. Obviously, the Melbourne Rebels had ten at the start, and that reduces to eight and six over the years for foreign international players. Um, but I think the Western Force definitely need... They're getting one extra next season, but I, I think they need probably three extra international players. And I reckon every province should have the ability to have two, maybe three international players because what it does is it attracts the crowds, the TV revenue goes up, and everyone gets a lot more interest. Yes, you may um, lose the potential of an Australian player coming through in that position, but at the moment we just don't have that depth that everyone thinks we have. So you look at a Johnny Wilkinson, he would come over and play one season for the Waratahs. Mm. Mm. Um, you, you get players like that who would come over for one season. Yes, they might be past their best, but you get players that come over and want to spend some time in Australia. Yeah, it certainly generates uh, plenty of interest at the same time. Uh, Matt, just going back to uh, Timmy's point earlier about Wayne Smith, who, who would you be looking to? Who do you think the Waratahs should be looking at for their coach? Uh, I mean, is Michael Checker the right option or, or can you see someone else fitting in better? Well, that, that, there's, that's the question that you need to ask. Is, is the coach the most important person in amongst the, the, the group or, or the players um, in the skill level that, that, that they have is the most important player? Um, I mean, if you, could, if you could look back through history, um, and maybe you'd pick up someone like a a Jonah Lomu, who was just you know outstanding, you'd love to play on that team when he was at his mm-hmm. at his peak. Uh, if you're looking now, I mean, someone like Sonny Williams, yes, but Israel Dag, for example, mm. you wonder whether it has to be a back rower, you know, a devastating back rower. Um, and there are too many to choose from. There, a coach uh, has to be innovative, if that's the word. Uh, they have to to get the best out of their players. I don't think the coach has to have an ego as well. So. Um, keep it very grounded at the same time. And, and who is that bloke? I don't know. I mean, that, mm. that's the thing. Uh, Wayne, Sw- uh, Wayne Swan, I said that last time, Wayne Smith. Swanee. <laughs> yeah, People probably <laughs> do a pretty good job, Wayne Swan. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking politics. You've thrown out Bob Catter this morning. Uh, finances, you know Wayne Smith, uh, absolutely. And, and we've uh, nobody's done overseas. He was at Northampton for a while there and, yep. uh, and coaching. But, but Berkey, the hardest thing is when you're a coach coming in and you are – given a team yes. that you can't mould and that's the team that you got so any any CEO going into a new organisation you can go in and make changes straight away you can say well, okay well, I don't want you you and you I'm going to bring in some um, some staff members that I've worked with before whether it's a you know a company director and and actually mould your team and build your team whereas a, a sporting organisation players are under contract yeah, so it's really difficult to shift players out when you come in as a new coach. You're given the team. It takes you probably two or three years to actually get the team you're actually really looking for. That's where the Wallabies are at the moment, just about, aren't they? Oh, pretty much, yeah. But um, <laughs> I mean, the coin factor, moving it on, unless you've got an, an enormous amounts of coin, you can't move the players on because you've no. got to stick with what you've got at the time being. So and that, that's, that's probably why Michael Checker and some other coaches are hesitant. They may be not like the stable that they have sure. of players at the Waratahs at the moment. Well, it's a, a very interesting issue. As a, as a Waratahs fan myself, I think everyone just wants to see uh, something, something put in place so that we know where we're heading uh, in, in future seasons. But uh, we'll have to wait and see what happens with that. Now, we're going to take a quick break, but uh, afterwards on The Ruck, we're going to tell you how the Wallabies and the Springboks are going to bond in Perth this week. This is The Ruck, your Sunday rugby show. This is The Ruck. This is The Ruck, your Sunday rugby show. My name's Alana Smith, and I'm here with Matthew Burke and Tim Horan. Just in case uh, you missed it, uh, in Sydney Club Rugby yesterday, Berkey, your old club, uh, Eastwood, they were eliminated uh, from the finals by North Sydney. 22 points to 17. Disappointing uh, for them. But for North, it's great news. They're looking for their first shoot shoot shield uh, grand final since 1998. So that would be a great thing uh, for North Sydney if they could get there.
What about the, uh, the North Sydney Oval? If they play it there these days, it, it was one of the greatest grounds. And the hardest part about that place there was kicking for goal because you weren't allowed to use the sand. I know, Timmy, you've got some good sand stories when you were a ball yes. boy. But you used to have to use... You used to have to use sawdust because they were saving the ground. But yeah. you have to use literally like a, a full bucket of sawdust because they just put the ball there. It just kept on disappearing. You only saw half the ball when you kicked it. So maybe that's the trait while they lose at North Sydney Oval anyhow. Good luck to North, though. Well done. Yeah, good luck to them. And, uh, Timmy, you've got some results from uh, Queensland? Yeah, Clean- Queensland Club Rugby. Uh, last round was yesterday. Uh, Sunnybank had a good win over the Gold Coast. Uh, South, my old club, I went out and had a look yesterday afternoon. They uh, beat Norse 29-26. University put East out of their misery 36-22. Brothers had a good win against Sunshine Coast and GPS beat West. So next weekend, the semi-finals here in the Brisbane Club Rugby competition. Brothers will play University and Sunnybank will play GPS. So some good opportunity. They're also... A couple of GPS schoolboy results. Brisbane Grammar had a good win. So did Ipswich Grammar. Nudgy College upset Toowoomba Grammar. So they're still going pretty well. Nudgy College and Churchy had a one-point win over Gregory Terrace as well. So plenty of good schoolboy uh, events as well. Yes, and uh, also up in Brisbane on uh, Friday night, of course, the Reds held their gala ball. It's a huge event uh, up there in Brisbane. I was there. It was fantastic. They really put on a great show, and it was congratulations to uh, James Slipper, who was uh, named the Reds Player of the Year. And I guess that leads us into next weekend's uh, test, guys, and potentially some changes to the Wallabies' makeup. Uh, how do you think they approach this Springbok side, given they are coming off a 22-0 defeat to the All Blacks? Need the changes, uh, absolutely. They need to find some creativity there. And uh, for mine, uh, just watching the backs do their stuff, they're just struggling a bit, as we said, mentioned before. Just about making, bending the line, as they call it, breaking mm. the line. Um, Dom Shipley uh, has been included. Also, Nick Cummins. I think that's great. I think they've got to get in the team there. I think also then Adam Ashley Cooper has to move to 13. They've just got to change it up. They've got to get some attacking ability to run at these guys and just make them make the hard yards and tackle hard as well. Yeah, I think, but yeah, well, I, I was just going to say, Alan, I think that um, Dom Shipley or Nick Cummins should get a spot on the wing. I mean, obviously, Digby Iwani will hold the other wing spot down. Kurtley Beale should be 15. Uh, but I think Rob Horn, I've been a really big fan of Rob Horns. I like the way he plays, but... He's been given a lot of opportunities now from Robbie Deans um, a little bit last year and also this year, and he hasn't really shown the direct running line that uh, really works at outside centre. And I think Adam Ashley Cooper, uh, as much as he's very versatile, probably needs to take the 13 jumper now. And Nick Cummins, Dom Shipley on the wing. And as you mentioned, Alana, I mean, James Slipper, yes, picked up the Stan Pilecki medal for the best and fairest player for Queensland Reds. He probably needs an opportunity um, uh, to start as well. But in the back row... I mean, Scott Higginbotham in his those two test matches were, was pretty poor. I mean, the, the Wallaby forward pack for two test matches carried the ball for a total combined of 80 metres only in two test matches. So you'd expect some ball-running players. Sileki Tamani was probably the, the shining light in the last two test matches. So Robbie Deans and his selectors really need to get the back row right for the forwards. Yeah, something certainly needs to change. Now, it's all not all serious uh, for the Wallabies and Springboks in Perth this week. They are going to spend a little bit of time uh, bonding ahead of the match, of putting on a braai uh, for the two teams, basically like a, a South African barbecue. Uh, what do you think they'll be eating? <laughs> well, why, why do we call it? A uh, lot? Uh, it's, it's got to be a braai slash barbecue, hasn't it? They can't come to Australia and expect to have it named after... South African it's barbecue, just a, it, can they? Basically, it's just a meat... If you don't know what a braai is, it's just a meat festival. It, it, <laughs> yeah. it is It is every type of uh, of meat they can get out there. Alana, you were saying before, it's the... 
Borovos, is that the what it is? Borovos. Borovos. That's the yeah, yeah. South African sausage. Just a massive. It's actually delicious. It's 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 about fifteen feet long, and they just call it round. Now it's yeah, not yeah. a normal barbecue. It's, it's like, just like, like the, the Cumberland sausage. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. There you go. It's, uh, it'll be interesting. I wonder who go, I wonder who's going to turn up for that. Probably the forwards to just eat the house down. Well, I think it's time. fantastic that both sides are getting together and promoting the game in Perth. There'll be plenty of South African supporters there. It's usually feels a little bit like a home game for the Springboks because there's so many expats living in Perth. But I think it's a great idea, great promotion, both sides getting together. And, and you don't see it that often in, in professional sport, international sport, where two teams come together three days out from a, a massive test match and have a barbecue together. I think it's a great idea. And, you know, who knows? What, what's um, over at Rottnest Island? What are the animals over there, Berkey? <laughs> Can we throw... They're the quackers, aren't they? Quackers. Oh, right. right. <laughs> There's already been quacker gate. Let's go. Yeah, oh, I, don't, right? I don't we'll think that will be on the menu. Yes, yeah, right. <laughs> uh, no, but it is a public event, so anyone uh, in Perth should definitely get out and get something to eat and meet some of the players. Uh, now, we will take a quick break, but uh, afterwards we're going to continue our countdown of the top ten Wallaby moments of all time. And as we get to number six, this is The Ruck, your Sunday rugby show. This is The Ruck. This is The Ruck, your Sunday rugby show. My name's Alana Smith, here with Matthew Burke and Tim Horan, and it's now time for this. The Ruck. Here it comes for Australia. The top ten moments. The green and gold of Australia. In Aussie rugby. Okay, so, so far we have been counting down uh, our top 10 Wallaby moments over the past few weeks. We've, uh, at number 10, took a look at Todd Akefu's uh, 2001 uh, try in the Bledisloe Cup. At number 9, Berkey got a run. That was in 1996 with his Bledisloe Cup try. Number 8, we celebrated all things David Campisi. Last week we uh, spoke to Alan Jones about the famous 1984 Grand Slam Tour. And today, it's number six. And for that, we look to Greg Cornelson's four-try test match in 1978. Six. Ten minutes, deep throw. Loose ball. It's a try. Greg Cornelson got it. Still the only Wallabies forward to have scored four tries in a test match. Uh, Greg Cornelson joins us on the phone now. Greg, very good morning to you. Thanks very much uh, for joining us here on the Ruck. Now, try and take us back to that uh, occasion in, in uh, 1978 and the feelings that you experienced uh, crossing for four tries. Oh, it was a, uh, a wonderful occasion, um, obviously, Alana. Um, we'd had a, uh, a mixed tour. Uh, we were there on 11, on 13 matches. We lost the first one uh, closely. The second one, we were absolutely thumped at, uh, in Christchurch and Daryl Harbright, our uh, wonderful coach, uh, had a heart attack and very nearly died the Monday morning after that. He, uh, there was so much pressure. And uh, so we had four matches to go and we decided not we weren't going to lose anymore. And sure enough, we uh, we didn't. And uh, we went into that uh, test match full of beans and um, no all-black side was going to beat us that day. And, uh, you know, we're leading 10-3 at half-time. And my memory was that I wished that the test was over because we're in front of this mighty all-black side. And, <laughs> and as I said before, it only got better. And uh, 
So it was uh, it was marvellous, and uh, as all my mates bagged me about, I uh, scored four tries on that occasion, and with 25 tests, I only scored the four tries. So, <laughs> um, bit of fun. Uh, Corno, Corno, Tim here. Uh, yeah, I was just going to say, like of your of your 25 test matches, it's obviously a great memory that you've had. Um, yeah. But of the four tries, I think you ran about a combined total of about five metres for the four tries. But um, yeah, your, your ex- was that uh, what was the experience for the Bledisloe Cup then? Was that we hadn't won it for a long time. It was a long time, and um, so and, and we we didn't win that with that with that one, Tim. Um, we lost the first two, but the following yep. year, and that was a special year for us because we um, the, the, the Australian Rugby Union were broke; they had no money. New Zealand Rugby on that tour decided that they'd help the uh, the Australian Rugby Union by coming to Australia in a one-off Test match, and we played at the Sydney Creek Route in, in front of a. Uh, you know, a packed out crowd basically, and um, it was just an amazing uh, game. We didn't realise that we were playing for the Bledisloe Cup. Even uh, the, the Australian rugby officials came in on the morning of the test and said, "Fellas, we didn't realise this, but they brought the cup with them. They're putting it on the line." And it was one of the toughest games that I've played in. It was uh, 12-6. There were penalties. There were no tries at all. The crowd were just amazing, and that's the first time we'd ever experienced the uh, them seeing the uh, um, you know waltzing Matilda. And uh, and then the following year we uh, so we won that test and then the following year was the three test series in Australia and we won that uh, two uh, two tests to one so we we won the back to back Brothers Lake Cups and so that was a very very special era because earlier that uh, that decade in the in the seventies or mid seventies we did it pretty tough. Um, and what about uh, the chip off the old block, Corno? Your son is he now at uh, Brisbane Grammar School um, playing in the first fifteen? Am I right to say he was selected in the Australian Schoolboys? A team um, earlier this year? No, he was he was selected in the uh, in the Australian schoolboy side as reserves. Yes, and he played against uh, Tonga. He played twenty something minutes, and yep. um, they picked the team to go to Fiji and New Zealand. And uh, a couple of guy or guy came back from uh, from injury, so yes. he missed out on that team. But uh, Grammar are going really well and had a a, a a good win over the TSS boys yesterday. Agree. I've got to take you back to that game if I can. In the world of memorabilia, what it is these days. Did you get to keep the ball at the end of the game? No, 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 no. I didn't even think to look for the ball, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Too intent on running back to halfway, getting ready for the next one. Yeah. No, no, I don't think I've got anything from the from the match, actually. Just wonderful memories. And, you know, the beauty of it is it's the greatest team sport in the world, and, and we had a mighty team that day, and, uh, you know, it was just one of those really, really special days. Greg, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe you turned 60 on Wednesday. Is that right? Oh, it's sad, isn't it? Yeah, you don't celebrate. <laughs> no, very happy birthday to you for Wednesday. You? Thanks, Lana. Did you have Thanks, any uh, special celebrations? We did. The night before, I went out with uh, with the Jackmans and uh, and the, and the Rowans. A very very special uh, special night, and uh, yeah, it was, that was special. And and our son uh, Jack uh, came home with us uh, from boarding school last night, so we had a lovely night as well last night. I, he- I heard you had the game playing in the background at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> They're sick of me playing the tape. Let's watch it again, Jack. <laughs> All right, Greg. We will leave it there. But it's been uh, great talking to you this morning. Thanks very much for your time. Thanks, Alana, Tim, and Matt. Thank you. Cheers. Good on you, Greg. All right, well, coming up on The Rack, we're going to chat to uh, Topo Rodriguez about his new book. It's uh, called The Art of Scrummaging. That's coming up next on The Rack, your Sunday rugby show. This is The Rack. This is The Rack, your Sunday rugby show. Alana Smith here with Matthew Burke and Tim Horan. And uh, we're going to take a look now at scrummaging. It's it's not for everyone, but uh, those who love it certainly do. <laughs> uh, now, Topo Rodriguez is one man who, who does love it. He was considered one of the best props in world rugby in the 80s. And he joins us now. He's got a new 
book out. It's called The Art of Scrummaging. Uh, Topo, good morning to you. Thanks very much for joining us. Uh, tell us a bit about this book and why you think it's a good read. Good morning, Alana. Good morning, Matt, and good morning, Tim. Alana, can you put Matt and Tim to sleep now? <laughs> <laughs> Is that, what, is that what it's going to be like, Topo? Is that what we're looking at? I mean, I've seen here you've written about uh, you know about the engagement, the referees, the scrum feed, even the skin-tight jerseys that they wear as well, all contributes to it. Yes, correct. Um, I, when, when it comes to scrummaging, it's a bit like sailing. Every single point that you trim and tighten or loosen counts. If you treat it that way, at the end of the day, you have a successful and effective scrum or you don't. Um, why did I write the book, you ask me, Alana? Exactly right. right. I felt that was a bloody good idea. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, tell us some of your frustrations then, well, I guess, with, with uh, the modern-day scrum. Look, I, I have to say this goes back to, and I'll very quickly give you the, the why and how, or when. Um, about 1996, I was talking, having lunch with uh, two friends, as you do, and um, and they said, well, why don't you, we were moaning and complaining about things, and, I, and they said, why don't you write a manual for coaches? And I thought, well, what a very good idea. And uh, and then uh, a number of concerns I had, particularly safety, that was number one thing, and then getting good technique and helping uh, coaches and um, in school and at club level and all the rest. So for the last 15 years, um, I've been working on it. I'm sorry about the noise, but I'll let the other phone go and soon we'll uh, cut off. <laughs> That's the background uh, music for the book, is it? Is it? <laughs> uh, parents, coaches, and um, and people in general. Hey, yeah, Topo. What about? Um, so I'm, I'm a back. I'm a back. So I'm not. You know, most forwards maybe buy the book, and uh, but as a backline player, I hope it's a very thick book. I haven't got a copy of it here, but so I've actually got a door at home which keeps sort of shutting on me. So I, I wouldn't mind as a back, you know, <laughs> buy, buying the book just to keep the door open. And uh, but I'm sure there's plenty of coaches around the world that uh, are looking for this. But I, I think, suppose... Tim. Uh, is that no? Sorry, that's Matthew. No, that's Tim. <laughs> Tim, Tim. Um, if I was you, I would bottle that cynism and put that bottle in the uh, doors as a door stopper. <laughs> you will remember if you go back to all the games you played. How did you feel? Is my question. How did you feel when your forward pack went forward? And how did you feel when you were? Backwards, we're going back, pedaling backwards fast. How did you feel? Yeah, well, I suppose when the Wallabies were playing their best rugby, the forwards are on the front foot. They're delivering a, a good line-out, a good set-piece, especially in the scrum as well. I think, Topo, the Australian Rugby Union through the junior levels could certainly use your ability to, to bring these younger players through. But there's certainly not a great deal of depth in the front row, you know, in that schoolboy level that they seem to be lost after schoolboy rugby. Correct. Well, it's a, it's a huge gap because uh, it's a bit like coming from a standard car that you drive every day and all of a sudden you jump into a Formula One car and it's very difficult. doesn't matter how good and uh, how uh, skillful you are or strong and all the rest. Still, you need a period of adaptation that may be in some cases five to seven or even ten years. And Topo, what about the Argentinian team that's out here at the moment uh, that'll come out to Australia next week? 
are they a force to be reckoned with through this rugby championship over time? Well, they have, um, I have to say, from the World Cup last year, they have probably half, they have exchanged the um, uh, half of the squad. So they have a very young team, but that could be a handicap, that could be a strength, because if these guys withstand the pressure, as they did against the Springboks in Mendoza, uh, they will be quite hard to beat. Uh, I think uh, they have and watch out Australia because uh, he's probably getting um, Argentina is getting close to the first win. Well, the book title is The Art of Scrummaging. Topo, we are out of time, but all the best with it and thanks very much for talking to us. Thank you very much to all of you. All right, if you've missed anything today or you want to have another listen, uh, make sure you check out the podcast. It's available at triplem.com.au and also on iTunes or if you've got any thoughts, want to tweet the boys, uh, Make sure you uh, do so at The Ruck Show. Uh, that's our Twitter name. And, uh, boys, Matthew, Timmy, uh, it's been great being here. Uh, you, you've got Tony back next week. So, uh, but, Thanks, yeah, Lana. Thank great, you very much job. for I'm, having me. I've had a good I'm, time. I'm going, I'm going home and hope there's going to be uh, breakfast scrambled <laughs> eggs on the table for me. <laughs> yeah, I hope Day. your Father's Day picks up. <laughs> Thanks, Alana. Always been good. All right, this is uh, The Ruck, your Sunday rugby show.